Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of winter wonders. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Ealing. Hey, Paul. Hey, Jason. Did you know? I know that you already know because I already told you this, but you can pretend like you don't know. Did you know that we have hit our first Patreon goal of 25 active patrons? What? No way! It's true! Isn't that <laughs> All exciting? Right. We got a bunch of new patrons recently, actually, and a bunch of them are even Shogun-level patrons, which is awesome to see. Oh, so they're going to get their shout-outs today. That's right. May as well do it right now, right? Yeah, let's do it. want to say a huge thank you to Wesley C., Nicholas McKibben, Kevin Harris, Brady K., Jack, Michael Morris, David Imani, Jennifer Crutchfield, Darwin Perrier, Max, Ethan Teague, and Katerina and Ellery. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. By the way, if anyone that I listed there prefers that we address you in a different way, please let us know. I reached out to some people about, you know, how they wanted their name to be said, and, and I didn't hear back from a couple, so I defaulted to first names only. But uh, if you have another preference, just reach out. I also want to thank all of our patrons on the other tiers as well. We really appreciate you as well, of course. Absolutely. And uh, since we have hit that goal, that means we're going to be starting a series of folklore episodes exclusively for our patrons. I'm really excited about that. We got a whole bunch of folk tales to learn all about. It's going to be great. I love it. I need some new ones. We might even have some up before this episode airs. We'll see. I'm trying to talk Paul into doing one tonight. All right. Um, We also have some behind the scenes stuff up on Patreon and we're working on continuing our cooking with pb and j series do some more uh, japanese cooking episode things video things did i say they're videos you did now i did um and now that we've hit our first goal we're looking forward to hitting our stretch goal of 50 patrons at which point we'll do the much awaited hentai episode oh my goodness it's gonna be great so thanks again and uh can't wait to do more on patreon but today our episode is one of those types of episodes that I'm a big fan of. One of those uh, city walkthrough episodes. Yeah. Those are always good. Today we're walking through Sapporo, which is a city that I have been to and Paul has not. So I'll be telling him all about the great things that he has not yet experienced. We're going to need those awesome inside opinions, Jason. I got a lot of opinions. You know me. (laughs) Good. You want to start with uh, just kind of some... Basic facts, just an intro to the city of Sapporo. Yes. Sapporo's big. It really is. I didn't really realize how big it was. It's the fifth most populous city in all of Japan, Jason. It's also the biggest city in Japan north of Tokyo. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I thought maybe Sendai would be bigger, but Sendai is actually only half the size of Sapporo. Yep. Sapporo is also the largest city in Hokkaido, of course. I mean, that goes along with the stat that uh, I just said, it's also the capital of Hokkaido. Paul, I saw that in 2022, a survey ranked Sapporo as the most attractive city in Japan. I saw that too. For the second time in a row. I'm not sure exactly what the criteria are there, but that's very interesting. Yeah. What's your take I mean, on that? Most attractive city. That means it beat out Kyoto? That's almost hard to believe, but... Not all of Kyoto looks great. Yeah, Kyoto was number two also. But also in the top five, I noticed were Hakodate, that was third place, and Otaru, which is fifth place. And both of those cities are in southern Hokkaido, like not too far from Sapporo. So I wonder 
if maybe in Japan, people just think that Hokkaido is a really cool, interesting place, maybe because like the architecture is different. There's a lot more Western influence. It's the most recent part of Japan that was developed. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. That's just a guess. But yeah, I mean, Sapporo was a cool city. I had a lot of fun there. I mean, a lot of it, I don't know. You definitely see the Western influence in some places, but then in other places, it's, it just kind of feels a lot like another big Japanese city. I don't know. I mean, you know, every city has like similarities and differences with other big cities, right? Yeah. Sapporo is well known for its ramen. And it's beer, of course, Uh which we are sampling tonight because we had to, right? Yeah, I think it's pretty much a requirement. Also famous. Oh, oh, cheers. Cheers. Also famous for nearby ski resorts. It's got a real famous snow festival that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Sapporo's economy also involves a lot of IT, retail, and tourism course for that snow festival and i don't know i mean we got a whole list of fun touristy stuff to do there yeah it's also the manufacturing center for the entire island of hokkaido so lots of factories there Mm -hmm. as for geography and climate so sapporo is located in southwestern hokkaido hokkaido is that huge island up north in japan it gets pretty cold up there right and sapporo the city is located on what's called the ishikari plain which is one of the biggest flat areas in Hokkaido. Like most of the island of Hokkaido is mountains. And so the climate in Sapporo is what they call humid continental. There's a pretty wide range of temperatures. Can get up into the 80s in summer and down into the single digits in winter. That's Fahrenheit, by the way, because we're Americans. For everybody else, that would be like between low 30s and negative teens Celsius. They also get a ridiculous amount of snow. Yeah, they do. Do you have numbers? No. They get an average of 4.78 meters per year. That's 15 feet and 9 inches each year. And we're in Minnesota. You know, Minnesota is known for a lot of snow in America, but Sapporo gets more than three times the average snowfall we get here. That's wild. Yeah. The name Sapporo means important river flowing through a plain in the Ainu language. I found a couple of theories about the origin of the name. The leading idea is that it comes from sap, which means dry, poro, which means wide, and then somehow they figured pe in there, which means river yeah. in Ainu. Sure. And then the other theory is that the first part, instead of sap meaning dry, it's from sari, which means wetland. But either way, both in either theory, the origin of the name has to do with the Toyohira River, which flows through the city. Uh, last thing I had for the intro is that Sapporo has also been a very popular city for hosting sports events. Yeah. In 1972, it became the first city in Asia to host the Winter Olympics. They were even bidding to get the 2030 Olympics until recently. I guess they're out of the running now. Yeah, yeah, they dropped out. Uh, They also hosted multiple games for the 2002 FIFA World Cup and for the 2019 Rugby World Cup, and they hosted the Asian Winter Games three times and the 1991 Winter Universiad. Have you heard of that? Um, No. I feel like I looked into that. I forgot. It's some some winter sports thing. Um, (laughs) Also, I was just on the phone with my mom earlier today, and she mentioned that my dad owned a car called a Sapporo. Really? Yeah. 
Originally, it was made by Mitsubishi, and they didn't call it the Sapporo in Japan, but when they exported it to the U.S., they called it the Sapporo because apparently Sapporo had good connotations internationally because the Olympics had been there. Okay. Isn't that funny? Okay. So it's a 70s car. I believe they started making it in the 70s, yeah. All right. Because I don't think I've ever heard of that. It's a weird, long story, and it had so many different names. I think the same car was actually called the Dodge Challenger for a certain number of years or something. I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense because Mitsubishi made it originally, and then in the U.S., like Dodge and Plymouth both uh, sold it. I don't know. Weird stuff. Yeah. could do a whole episode about that car, but we won't. (laughs) Well, our next big section is about the history of Sapporo, but before we get there, I think it's time for... Item of the Week! This is the segment of the show where we talk about our favorite items from our friends at bentoandco.com, which is a website where you can order authentic Japanese bento boxes, cookware, snacks, and more. Today, I want to talk about one of their snacks, actually two of their snacks that they offer. One of them is called Kinoko no Yama, and the other one is called Takenoko no Sato. Have you had those, Paul? Mm, doesn't ring a bell. So these are some of the most popular snacks in Japan. Like you'll find them in every convenience store in the country, but they're not easy to find here, which is where Bento & Co. comes in really handy. So Kinoko no Yama means mushroom mountain, and the snacks are these little mushrooms where like the cap of the mushroom is chocolate and then the stem is this little cookie kind of thing you know what i'm talking about right i do and then takenoko no sato is kind of a a related snack that means bamboo shoot village and these are very similar they're just little bamboo shoots instead of mushrooms so it's like a little crumbly kind of cookie thing covered in chocolate on the top but they're both super good and they're from the same brand but I hear that there's like a, a big rivalry, like they're loyalists on both sides of the debate on which one is the better snack. Okay. So maybe, you know, order some from Bento & Co. and see which ones you prefer. I personally think the Takenoko no Sato is better just because I like the texture of the cookie better. Like it, it'll dissolve in your mouth in a really pleasing way. Anyway, so if you want to get your own snacks, you can go to bentoandco.com and use our discount code SIGHTSCENE10 to get 10% off your order. Or you could use the link on the Support Us page of our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com, and that link will automatically apply the discount. All right, Paul, let's talk about Sapporo history. Okay. I was going to start uh, about 15,000 years ago. Sure. Somewhere around there. The first settlers in Sapporo were the indigenous Ainu people, somewhere over 15,000 years ago. And their territory actually reached down into Honshu even at one point. But the Yamato people, the ethnically Japanese people, pushed the Ainu further and further north over the last thousand years or so. And when they reached the Sapporo area, it became a trading post. So at this point, I kind of wanted to jump to the end of the Edo period, not to gloss over Ainu history, but you know we're focusing on the city of Sapporo in this episode, and uh, the Ainu weren't really involved in the creation of the city. Also, we did talk about the Ainu a little bit more in episode 31, which was about Hokkaido. So if you want to hear more about that history, you can check that out. Although, Paul, I think maybe at some point it would be good to do a whole episode about like the indigenous peoples of Japan. What do you think? 
Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Okay. I they put it on the list already of episode Popped ideas. up in a ton of different episodes in various ways. Yeah. I feel like it'd be good to dig into them, though. I, f- I still don't feel like I know a ton about those cultures, you know? Well, it's hard because they didn't have writing. So all but we have still, is archaeology I mean, and stories from the Japanese. Well, there are still some, you know, descendants from those cultures that are still around and, True. and holding on to their cultures. So True. Anyway. End of the edit period? Did yeah. Did you have anything before that? Uh, first note I had on that was just to give some context. In 1857, the city's population was seven people. The city of Sapporo had seven people? Yeah, or whatever the village. I don't know if it was called Sapporo yet. Okay. Well, in 1866, the Japanese started building a canal through the Sapporo area and set up a village there. So yeah, I guess, like I said, before that, it would have been a trading post Maybe not a lot of uh, permanent residents, you know, yeah. people coming in and doing their trading and leaving or whatever. And soon after, the new Meiji government decided to move their administrative center in Hokkaido from Hakodate to Sapporo because of its location on the Ishikari Plain. They figured that would be better for defense and for further development as they moved further north into Hokkaido. And that's the year where they celebrate as the birth of Sapporo. 1866? 1868. 68. Yeah. Oh, that's when the Meiji government moved the uh, administrative center there, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. So I kind of did a little bit of a deep dive on this next part, because during that period of development, after they moved their administrative center, they hired a bunch of foreigners to help out. Because this was the Meiji period, and Japan wanted to modernize, and they were getting technology and all sorts of stuff and ideas from all over the Western world. But it seems like specifically in Hokkaido, they actually hired a lot of people straight from the United States. They did. Makes Sapporo one of the most American-influenced cities in Japan, probably. You could say that. Barring military bases, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, Tokyo's got a lot of Western influence, too, just because it's such an international city, but... uh, True. But Sapporo, from the ground up, was designed with a lot of influence from Westerners. That's a great point. Did you read much about a guy named Horace Capron or Capron? Horace Capron, that's how I'm going to say it. I did. You mean Secretary of Agriculture? Yeah, that guy. (laughs) To put this into context, he was the Secretary of Agriculture in the U.S., under President Ulysses S. Grant. That was a long time ago. Yes. So Horace came to Japan to advise on the development of Hokkaido. He also first suggested growing the wheat and rye that would eventually lead to the creation of Sapporo beer. Ah. We have Horace to thank for Sapporo beer. All right. Another fascinating dude was named Edwin Dunn. Did you read about him? No. Okay, this guy was a rancher from Ohio. He came to Japan and also contributed to Sapporo beer because he discovered hops that were native to Hokkaido, and he established a brewery there. Ah. Also, crazy fact about him, his great-great-great-grandson is named Josh Dunn. He's the drummer of 21 Pilots. Okay. I was expecting more of a reaction from you somehow. I mean... You don't know that band? I know the band. I don't know the drummer. Well, you don't need to. You just need to know he's the great, great, great grandson of this guy. It's oh, just, man. Whoa, whoa. I know. It's crazy, right? world, bro. Okay. It took a little <laughs> bit for it to hit you, but 
That's what I was looking for. Well, his grandkids are somewhere doing something. Well, most people don't have... I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say most like famous people now don't have famous great-great-great-grandparents or something, but that might not actually be true. There are a lot of like famous families and stuff. A little nepotism anyway. running in the family? <laughs> I, I don't know if you could argue that in this case. It would be a pretty random uh, no, no, development. I mean, yeah, not in this case. Not to throw any shade <laughs> on this guy in particular. No. Anyway, so the point is, a lot of Americans were involved in the development of Hokkaido, and you can really see that influence these days if you go to visit. Over the coming years, they begin to develop Sapporo, centered around Odori Park, which is a long, thin park in the center of town. And they laid it all out in a grid pattern, based on how they were advised by all these Westerners they brought in. They began brewing Sapporo beer in 1877. Huge milestone in my personal life there. Uh, in 1880, they begin constructing the railroad that connects Sapporo to Otaru, which is a nearby port city. Sapporo continued to grow from immigration from Honshu, the main island, and it got to the point where in 1882, the government decided, we don't even need to keep planning and supporting this city. It's just growing fine on its own. And it just started growing like a normal city. In the early 1900s, they developed a streetcar system and later a bus system as well. And in 1937, they were actually chosen to host the Winter Olympics of 1940. But that got canceled because they decided to start a war with China. Oh, I thought you were going to say a COVID pandemic. (laughs) No, no. Sapporo also became just the fourth city in Japan to have a subway system in 1971. Wow. Let me back up 21 years. 1950, that was the first time they held the Sapporo Snow Festival, which, as I mentioned, is a huge attraction these days. Yeah. Sapporo continued to expand and swallowed up a bunch of neighboring villages, as is uh, common in uh, Japanese city history. Right, I... Half of what you'll read about the history of a city in Japan is this year it merged with this village, and this year it merged with these municipalities, and that just goes on and on about 15 times until it becomes a large city. Yep. In 2001, the Sapporo Dome was built. You know about the dome, Paul? I do. The Nippon Ham Fighters play there. Ham Fighters? Ham Fighters. They fight pigs? Um, What is this team? What sport are we talking about? Baseball. Oh, okay. I saw that this venue is actually mainly used for soccer, Ah. which is interesting because I don't really think about soccer when it comes to Japan, personally. Japan's got a thriving professional soccer league. Okay. I never really heard much about it, but they have a team called the Consadore Sapporo. Ah, I don't know what that means, but cool. Better than Ham Fighters, I would say. Yeah. All right, that name was just too weird to be true. So we stopped and looked it up, and you were right to be skeptical, Jason. The team is actually the Nippon Ham Fighters. Yeah, you you got to pause between the ham and the fighters. They're not fighting hams. It's just called that because the the team is actually owned by a company called Nippon Ham. It's like a meatpacking food processing company. 
So I'm going to say it's still an odd name. Fair. Why not the Sapporo Fighters? I mean, that's kind of a weird quirk about Japanese sports teams is that they always have like the name of their owner in it. Yeah, and those teams in Japan are owned by companies versus a lot of the teams in America are owned by individuals, which is maybe part of that. They're using it as marketing. Yep. We done with history? I've got some future history. That is an oxymoron, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> you call me a moron, bro? <laughs> no, an oxymoron. It's like the opposite of a moron. The Hokkaido Shinkansen line is scheduled to be finished all the way up to Sapporo by 2030. That's true. Hopefully that will be accurate history six years from now. Paul's predicting the future. We'll see what happens. I was just listening to some of our first 10 episodes this week as I was doing some busy work at work. Yeah. And a bit of it's like already outdated. I'm sure. It was years ago at this point. We knew that was going to happen. We're talking a lot about the JR pass. Like, it's a no-brainer. It always makes sense. And I'm like, well, that's just completely inaccurate now. But that's not our fault. Not our fault at all. Everything changed. And definitely don't go back and listen to the Olympics episode that we did. Yeah. About how COVID was not going to be a problem at all, and the Olympics were going to go off without a hitch. (laughs) Let's begin our tour of Sapporo, Jason. Let's do it. I was thinking we'd start at Sapporo Station. What do you think? That makes sense. All right. Sapporo Station, it's a nice central location downtown, and there's a bunch of stuff within a mile of here. I was thinking we'd just kind of spend the day walking south from the station here, uh, just through the downtown area. I got a whole big list of fun stuff we can see all packed real close together. Okay. So, Paul... First thing I'm going to do is ditch you uh, for a minute because I got to eat some crab and I know you're not going to be into that. What if you hang out on the first floor with all the live crabs? You can kind of play around and have fun together while I eat some crabs on one of the higher floors of the building. Okay. I'm going to maybe just go find some grass to gnaw on. All right. That works too. Uh, So I'm going to go to this very well-known restaurant just south of Sapporo Station. It's called Kani Honke. Kani means crab in Japanese. When Yia and I went to Sapporo, we ate here. And I thought it was really cool because one of the, I mean, I love crab personally, but it's a difficult food to eat. You know, they have a lot of natural defenses that you have to break through before you get to that delicious meat. But the cool thing about this restaurant is that they make it really easy for you. They like cut the legs at an angle and present them. So you just take your fork and grab the meat and eat it. And it's real easy. I also had a hairy crab there, which I'd never even seen before. They're super hairy. Weird. But they just kind of like slice off the top plate of it or something. And then all the meat is just sitting there in the middle and on the legs and stuff. And you just grab it. It makes it really, really easy to eat. Pretty cool. Uh, So like I mentioned, they have like a big pool with live crabs on the first floor. And then it's kind of a a building that goes up. And each floor has like seating in a a really kind of traditional looking building like you take off your shoes and sit down on the floor and stuff and just a cool experience and uh, if you like crab i highly recommend it well now that i'm stuffed full of crab paul uh did you have some fun with eating the grass and and stuff yes yes i did i'm very satisfied great well let's walk south just a few blocks to the sapporo clock tower famous symbol of the city 
It's a building that was constructed in 1878 as a drill hall for the Sapporo Agricultural College. That makes it the oldest building in Sapporo, actually. It's also the oldest clock tower in the entire country. Ooh. The clock itself was purchased from Boston in 1881. Another American connection there. Yeah. These days, there's a museum inside where you can learn about the development of Sapporo and the history of the Agricultural College. Seen enough of the tower, Paul? Yeah. All right, let's go another block south and check out this famous Odori Park. What do you say? Yeah, I really want to see this. So Odori means large street, which makes a lot of sense when you see this park because it's basically just this long strip of park in the middle of a street. Originally, I mean, the park wasn't even going to be there. It was just going to be a really big street, but eventually they turned the center part of it into this park. Sounds like a better idea than like a 10-lane street. (laughs) Sure. I got a couple more little interesting history tidbits for you. Okay. During World War II, they used the park to grow potatoes. Wow. And after the war, the American occupation forces set up a baseball field and a tennis court in the park. Nice. So a lot of different things have happened in this park over the decades. It's kind of been used for all sorts of things. Odori Park is the gathering space for the city. When we get into the festivals and events later, they basically are all centered here. Yeah, or at least a lot of the festivals have multiple locations, and but Odori Park is always one of those locations, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, so the park stretches east to west along like several blocks. You can walk up and down and and look at all sorts of different things. It's about a kilometer and a half long. The Sapporo City Archive Museum is located there. Uh, They have statues and monuments. But Paul, what do you think is the most famous landmark in the park? It's got to be the Sapporo TV Tower. Oh, yeah. Did you see pictures of it? Oh, I've seen a ton of pictures of it. It's pretty famous. Yeah. The architecture might kind of remind you of Tokyo Tower. Like it's, you know, it's built in the same style, right? Yeah. Same way. But it's much smaller, of course, than Tokyo Tower. I don't know. Maybe that's not an of course statement, but it's true. And it's illuminated at night. I get the feeling that it's really like a navigable landmark of the city where you could probably see it from a lot of places and kind of get your bearings a little bit. Maybe. I remember like being able to see it from pretty much anywhere in the park, but there are enough tall buildings around the city that you kind of lose sight of it pretty quick if you stray away from that area. Okay. It also has a big digital clock on it. And it's got an observation deck. You can go up there and get a nice view of the park. It's got an information center in there. There's some stores and a restaurant. It even connects to an underground shopping arcade. Nice. Underground is smart when they get 15 feet of snowfall a year. I would say so. Speaking of shopping arcades, if we walk south from Odori Park, we will soon run into Tanuki Koji Shopping Street, one of my favorite shopping streets I've been to, to be honest. Really? In the country, yeah. Tanuki Koji is cool. Tanuki name? I'm sure that's part of it. I really like Tanuki, and uh, you see a whole bunch of them walking down this street. Okay. So this is one of Hokkaido's oldest shopping streets. It dates back to 1873. It's also really big. It's almost a kilometer long, spans seven blocks, and has around 200 shops. So like I mentioned, Tanuki. Tanuki everywhere. This is the only place I have ever in my life seen a 
real-life tanuki. Really? Although this one was stuffed okay. in a souvenir shop. Okay. But still, the only you know real uh, skin and fur and, and stuffed tanuki. But you also see the little cutesy stylized statues and stuff all over the place. What was your favorite thing you got there? Um, or just window shopping? Yeah, I think it was mostly window shopping, but they do have some really cool souvenirs. So, Paul, you, I'm sure you've seen, even just in anime and stuff, whenever people are talking about Hokkaido, if somebody like brings back a gift, it's always a little statue of a bear with a fish in its mouth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Super famous. And they all look exactly the same. Like the bear is in the same position. Maybe there's an, I don't know, a couple positions you can get them, but there's one that's like just really popular and super recognizable. And if you see one of those in Japan, it's like, oh, Hokkaido, of course. So that's popular. Another one, these are so cool. And I did a bit of a deep dive on these algae balls called Marimo. Did you read about them at all? No. Dude, I saw these all over the place in Hokkaido in general, but especially on this shopping street. Like all the souvenir shops are selling these little moss balls it looks like in water some of them are super super tiny like half an inch wide in little keychains some of them are huge like you can get ones that are like i don't know six inches across or something in a big glass jar okay and these algae balls form naturally in very few places in the world there's this lake in eastern hokkaido called lake akan where they form naturally but they got so popular that people were stealing them from the lake and it got to be a problem. Like yeah. They wanted to preserve them. So the ones that you buy as souvenirs are actually made artificially. Like it's still real algae, but they kind of form them into these little balls. But uh, yeah, I just think they're really cool and like a fun, unique souvenir that you don't see anywhere else. And uh you know, if you get a big one, like you can take care of them and keep them alive. And that's kind of fun. It's like a little bonsai tree sort of thing. <laughs> or if you don't want to have to worry about keeping them alive, the ones inside the keychains are just like fake. Like they're not actually living algae, you know, oh, they're just little okay, green okay. balls. But they're fun. Honestly, I feel like we could do a whole episode about Marimo. Like I just, I read so much cool stuff about them. Like people will pass them down through their family. That's why I mentioned like... uh bonsai trees because some of these marimo are over 200 years old like people have been just keeping these little algae balls alive isn't that that's cool? wild yeah algae balls <laughs> so let's head to the east end of tanuki koji because just across the sose river we're gonna find nijo market it is a great place to shop for fresh local produce and seafood and of course, Hokkaido is famous for their amazing seafood. You can get some uni, salmon eggs, crab. You can even eat a bunch of this stuff right there because they have a bunch of restaurants. You can get like rice bowls topped with the most amazing fresh seafood you'll ever have in your life. I saw some pictures that, oh man, just bowls like piled high with all the, my favorite stuff. Okay. Sashimi and salmon eggs and my mouth is watering right now. Some of the popular local produce includes potatoes, corn, and melons. Yubari melons, that's another super famous Hokkaido specialty. You'll find those on Tanuki Koji Shopping Street. I think you'll find stores selling those too. I got to try one. They're pretty good. But you got to save room for all the seafood too. You know, you don't want to spoil yourself with the produce. 
I mean, I've only had grass so far today, so I'm going to indulge. Fair enough. I mean, you wouldn't eat the seafood anyway, so go ahead. Stuff right. yourself with melons. <laughs> I'm going to eat a whole melon. So, I don't know. I haven't been watching the time. Maybe it's late enough to go enjoy some nightlife in Suzukino. This is an entertainment district just south of Tanuki Koji. Packed with bars, stores, restaurants, karaoke, pachinko. And it houses the red light district of the city. Oh, we know all about that now, don't we? We do. We all know all about Japan's red light districts. Yeah. Uh, Susukino is actually Japan's largest entertainment district north of Tokyo, which I guess makes sense considering yep. that uh, Sapporo's the biggest city north of Tokyo. Another interesting spot in Susukino that you'll want to visit is Ganso Ramen Yokocho, also known as Ramen Alley. There's 17 miso ramen shops in this alley. It's a thin little alley, right? You've been here? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty small. Dates back to 1948, and this is apparently the birthplace of miso ramen, which is a Sapporo specialty. So, of course, I had to try it. Yeah. Guy and I both tried the miso ramen and both enjoyed it very much. I also thought it was really funny that at the specific ramen place we went to, they seemed to be advertising some of those red light establishments because they had like these big pepper shakers with uh, half-naked ladies on there. <laughs> on the pepper shaker. Yeah, seems kind of random. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we've kind of gone through the downtown area, but there are a couple more things just east of Sapporo Station that I also wanted to mention. Uh, if you're interested in these specifically, you might want to squeeze them in. The first one is for people who like shopping. There is a really cool shopping mall called Sapporo Factory. Did you look into this at all, Paul? Yeah, the pictures are pretty impressive. It's got like this huge five-story atrium in the middle. Like, I just remember walking in there and being like, whoa, like, I've never seen such a pretty mall. It's just a really pretty mall. Yeah, the amount of open space with the natural lighting coming through the glass roof is really cool. Yeah, and all the light coming in means they can have landscaping inside. There are, like, bushes and trees and all this stuff. Yeah. And they have a massive Christmas tree uh, around Christmas time. Gotta. We were there in, I think we got to Sapporo at the very beginning of November. So I think they did have the Christmas tree up by then. Standard mall, lots of shops, clothing, restaurants, movie theater. It's cool. The other thing I wanted to mention around this area is for people who like beer, Paul. Let's go. A bit northeast from Sapporo Factory is the Sapporo Beer Museum and Sapporo Beer Garden. And there's so much to do here. Like if you go to the museum, you can learn all about the history of Sapporo beer, of course. They have exhibits that you can walk around and look at for free. Or there's also a paid premium guided tour that includes a video in their 6K theater. Oh. And it comes with a beer tasting. I really wanted to do that, but the tour is only in Japanese. But they do now have English audio guides. I'm not sure if that was available when I was there. I feel I like I would have done that. Right. But also, Yia wouldn't have been that interested. So maybe that's why we didn't do that. Yeah. So you didn't go to the beer garden either? We did eat at the beer garden okay. or the beer hall. Are those the same thing? No. Yes, yes, yes. The beer garden, uh, the beer. Or the, wait a minute. No, no, no. 
I'm getting confused. So it's kind of like this big complex. Like there are these huge brick buildings. They're really pretty, by the way. They have like vines going up the side and everything. But all this stuff is kind of packed into these buildings. There's the museum. There's a beer hall, which I guess I'm not sure if I went to the beer hall. I heard that you can try their beer there. And there, there's a museum shop where you can buy beer to bring home. But I think what I'm thinking of is the beer garden, which is where you can like eat dinner okay. with beer. Yeah, there's like a garden grill restaurant. But there's also all-you-can-eat mutton barbecue and all-you-can-drink beer. I don't think I got the all-you-can-drink. I don't even remember if we got the all-you-can-eat barbecue, but... Jingusukan. Jingusukan. It's another really famous and delicious local specialty. is mutton and cabbage, and you like grill it at your table, like kind of Korean barbecue style. And the grills here are also shaped like the island of Hokkaido. Okay. It's kind of fun. So, yeah, I th- like you don't have to do the all you can eat, all you can drink. You can just order one plate of Genghis Khan and a couple beers. That's what we yeah, did. Yeah. Yeah. I think that about does it for Center City. I think you're right. But, you know, if you want to get a little bit further out, maybe take some trains or something or buses to get away from the downtown area. There's a bunch of other cool stuff in the city. Which direction do you want to head first, Paul? I say northeast. To Moerenuma Park? Yeah, I'm a sucker for a good park. Yeah, you are, aren't you? I am. I am. What do they have at this park? A lot. (laughs) It's a four-kilometer park. It's got... What was that? Four kilometers. Four kilometer? Yeah. Sorry, I could have sworn I heard 400 kilometer. (laughs) It's bigger than the city. It's half of Sapporo (laughs) or half of Hokkaido. Um, So it's a big park. It was designed by renowned Japanese-American sculptor Isamu Noguchi. He designed it shortly before his death, and the park was built on those plans afterwards. Hmm. It features a bunch of really interesting things. It's got a couple man-made mountains that are maybe more like hills that give you really interesting views of the park. There's a glass pyramid that houses a visitor center. And there's a huge fountain that does shows a few times per day. Cool. I also saw that you can rent bikes. It might be fun to just spend some time biking around the park and admiring everything. Absolutely. It's an award-winning park. Did you say that? No. I don't remember what award it won, but it won something. Cool. Okay, Paul, now that we've relaxed in this park, I want to get like another nice view of the city, but I want to work for it. Okay. So on the southwest edge of the city, let's go to Mount Moiwa. Sure. This is a relatively small mountain, which is great if you're not like a big hiker. It's a mountain that you can still hike up fairly easily. Uh, Yi and I walked up this mountain, and I loved it. You know how much I love hiking. Yia didn't like it quite as much as me. She's not a big hiker. And it was also kind of drizzly that day, so we were like pretty damp mm-hmm. by the time we got mm-hmm. up there. Also, when we got to the top, the fog was so thick you literally couldn't see like 10 feet in front of you so looking out over the city did not do us much good ah that's awful the one thing i wanted to know is is the view as good as everyone says it is well they had a big signboard with a picture of the view pointing out what the different buildings were and the board itself looked pretty good so okay i i gotta think that the view itself is even better it's supposed to be amazing it seems like one of the can't miss spots in Sapporo. 
I definitely think it's a something you don't want to miss. Like there's a restaurant at the top. We ate up there. So it's kind of a nice way to reward yourself for the hike. Uh, they have a gift shop where I got a mug with the mountain's mascot, Morris. He's this little kind of rabbit looking guy. He's pretty cool. I still <laughs> use that mug for my tea at work. Nice. Uh, oh man. Nine, nine years later, still wow. using that mug every day. Have you seen those pictures of people that have a mug at work and have never washed it in all the years they've been there? I worked with one of those people. Oh, and I was like, no. dude, that's disgusting. You're going to die. You're how, drinking so much mold. How that's do they do that? It's got like, it's like flaky, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I've never seen one in person. Oh, gross. It was gross. So there is a ropeway if you don't want to walk. Yeah, we took that to get back down. And you get pretty cool views from that too. So nice. You know, maybe you can walk up and take the, the ropeway down or vice versa, depending on how you want to do it. I think a lot of people might vice versa that. Sure. There are multiple routes that you can take hiking up or down the mountain. The shortest one takes about an hour and 15 minutes. It's not bad. Yeah, the mountain also has a ski resort on it, which I did not realize until I did this research, but that's on the southeast slope of the mountain. So you're not like going to notice it probably if you're hiking up. Yeah. Also good to know it's skiing only. They don't allow snowboards there. What? Yeah. I'm offended, Jason. It's discrimination. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why. It's not like the no tattoos policy they have at some places. Like only the hooligans ride the snowboards. Yeah. You know, those snowboarders just barreling down the hill. They don't even know how to turn or stop. <laughs> There's I mean, skiers like that. That was too. me at one point. <laughs> yeah. But every, everyone's got to learn somehow. Yeah. So now let's head northwest of downtown. Just about a mile away, we're going to find the Sapporo Crab Market, which is confusingly called Curb Market. The Curb Crab Market. That confused the heck out of me for about five minutes. Are these typos? Is it actually a crab market or do they call it Curb Market? Yeah, yeah. It sounds pretty similar to Nijo Market from what I saw. They got the fresh local seafood, they got the produce, they got restaurants and stores. That's right? exactly what I was thinking. I started researching it and I was writing down the exact same notes that I wrote <laughs> before. And I was like, they're selling all the same things here. Yeah. Makes sense. One thing I did see that was a little different here is they have a bathhouse that opens at 1 p.m. So I'm thinking maybe you go there in the morning, stuff yourself with seafood. And then you can soak and relax at the bathhouse. Oh, climb the mountain in the morning, mm. go eat some lunch, and then take a bath. That's, that's the plan. That's it. Yeah. You're welcome. Just a couple more miles northwest of Curb Market, you'll find Shiroi Koibito Park, which I mentioned really recently. Oh, in the train stations episode, I mentioned Shiroi Koibito. Remember those little cookies? Yeah. Chocolate sandwich yeah. cracker yep. cookie things? So Shiroi Koibito Park is a chocolate theme park. It's run by a local chocolate company called Ishia. And uh, their flagship product is that cookie I was talking about, the Shiroi Koibito cookie. Little two butter cookies with chocolate in the middle. They're really tasty, and you can get them even if you don't go to the park. Like, you'll find them in the train stations, so you should definitely get some if you uh, will eat chocolate. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Uh, the park also has a free area with a shop, a cafe, and a restaurant. But if you want to pay to get inside the rest of the place, they have a 
actual production floor where they make the cookies. So you can watch that and they have various chocolate related exhibits. You can even try making your own cookies. Should be fun. Although cookies, one of those things where I'd, I'd gladly eat one someone else made. Even with non-vegan chocolate in it? No, of course not. Maybe, maybe you could just get the crackers without the chocolate inside, you know? Maybe you can try making one and be like, oops, I forgot the chocolate in the middle. Oh, well, I bet it's still tasty. Uh, you guys got any dark chocolate? I wonder if they do. You better they go might. check it out. They might. So a couple miles west of Shiroi Koibito Park, we're getting into the mountains now. We're going to find Sapporo Tiene Ski Resort. This place is kind of cool because it hosted events during the 1972 Winter Olympics. Yeah. And the Olympic torch still stands above the resort. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so Mount Tiene here, this is much higher than Mount Moiwa, that one that we talked about hiking. And this one does allow snowboarding. Yeah. Seemed like a pretty nice big resort with all the things you'd expect from a good ski resort. Yeah, they have two zones. There's a Highland Zone and the Olympia Zone. And this is my favorite part, Paul. The two zones are connected by what they call the Rainbow Course. That's their longest course with a maximum run length of 3.4 miles. What? How awesome is that? That's amazing. I can't even imagine. 5.4 kilometers, by the way. But yeah, Right? Like strap into your snowboard and just keep going for 3.4 miles. I can't even imagine. Like I've been snowboarding in Colorado and Utah and stuff. I don't remember going on anything anywhere close to that long. Nah. I mean, the longest hill I've been on, I'd probably have to ride 40 plus times to get that amount of length. I wish I knew like an amount of time would mean more to me than the distance. You know, how long does it take to go 3.4 miles on a snowboard? Right, yeah, true. I wonder how fast, will you say you're going like 20 miles an hour? You think? I have no idea how fast you go when you're snowboarding. 20 miles an hour would be like the speed of a very fast human sprinting, I think. But you're also carving and stuff. Depends how steep it is, how fast you're going, yeah. obviously. But that sounds like at least five minutes, you know, five to 10 minutes. Sounds awesome. 10 plus minute ride would be great. For sure. So the last direction I want to go is southeast and go to the historic village of Hokkaido. It's an open-air museum that exhibits about 60 buildings typical of the Meiji and Taisho periods. It's divided up into four different sections. There's a town, a fishing village, a farm village, and a mountain village. And you get to see the real buildings that people used to live and work in. So it just sounds really cool. That does sound cool. I always like those open air museums. The architecture from all over the area is always fun to see. Yeah. And uh, about a 10 minute walk from there is the Hokkaido Museum that documents the nature and wildlife of the area. Cool. So now we've seen the city, but there's still a lot of cool stuff in the surrounding areas, right, Jason? Absolutely. One place that, I mean, you pretty much have to go if you're visiting Sapporo is a nearby harbor city just northwest of Sapporo. It's called Otaru, and you can get there really quick, too. It's just about 30 minutes by train. It's really cool. I mean, there's a reason that this is 
by far the most popular day trip from Sapporo. Like even residents of Sapporo go out to Otaro just for fun because it's a really cool place. Yeah, it's known for its beautiful preserved canal area that you can walk up and down and get a feel for the old timey city. It served as the main port for Sapporo for over a hundred years. Yeah, the canal is really cool. Uh, they got the cobblestones, like it feels old. And then along the canal, there are these old warehouses that you can look at. And it's lined with these Victorian style street lamps. There's some really cool shopping streets around and, uh, you know, you can get local treats. Like parts of it kind of feel really touristy, but in a good way, you know, not like, like they're not packed and I don't know. It's just got a cool vibe. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do here. A few of the highlights include the city museum. There's a music box museum. You can even make your own music box there. What? Dude, that sounds so cool. You should go make a Fly Me to the Moon music box. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my own tune. Well, out, do you think they let brain. you write your, own, write your own tune? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Just poking holes in one of those little metal strips? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the historic Nika Whiskey Distillery is nearby. Nice. There's also a number of mansions on the outskirts of the city that were owned by Heron Barons. It was a big fishing port. Heron Barons? Herring. Oh. The, the type of fish. They'd fish for herring. Got it. I was wondering what these barons were doing with herons, like those big <laughs> uh, birds, or if the... The barons themselves were birds. That'd be pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, Otaru also has its own winter festival each February with illuminated snow sculptures and lanterns lighting up the whole city. It looks really cool from the pictures I saw. Yeah. I think Otaru might even deserve its own episode. I don't know. Oh, we could absolutely do an episode. Another good place for a day trip from Sapporo, especially if you're just feeling like relaxing and just like being pampered a little bit, you might want to head down to Jozanke. This is an onsen town located in Shikotsu Toya National Park. It's surrounded by nature, so it's a really popular place for fall colors around mid-October. But the main attraction, of course, is the onsen and the ryokan, the uh, traditional Japanese inns, and there are a bunch of them. Gia and I stayed at one called Jozanke Daiichi Hotel Suizante, and it was by far the fanciest hotel I've ever stayed at. I know I've mentioned it uh, several times before on the podcast, but I can't recommend it highly enough. We had a private onsen attached to our room, which just feels insanely luxurious. That's awesome. And then there was this amazing kaiseki dinner with like seven courses. You know, it's just really fancy traditional stuff. The breakfast was just as fancy as the dinner. So that like makes up for the price. You know, it's not cheap, but it's it's worth it. And then the room, of course, is traditional. They got the tatami mats and you sleep on a futon. They had massage chairs in the place. There's a big fireplace area you could hang out by. And like from the moment you walk into the hotel, there are people tending to you. They bring you tea and a little snack while they explain how things work. Like, okay, while you're at dinner, we're going to like set up your room for, for sleepy time. You know, we take away the table and, and lay out the futons. They just basically tell you like, here's the schedule. All you got to do is relax and we will take care of everything. And it was, it was just incredible. 
Sounds really nice. Yeah. One thing I did want to mention, though, is that you can't get to Jozonkei by train. So you either have to drive, or if you book one of those hotels, they might have a shuttle from Sapporo. That's what we did. We just caught this shuttle right next to Odori Park, and they drove us down to Jozonkei and then back the next day. It takes just about an hour to drive there. That's super convenient. Yeah. Did you go to Iwato Kanando? We did not. Really, all we did was like take the bus to the hotel. We relaxed our butts off, and then we took the bus back. We like didn't explore the rest of Jozonkei at all. Okay. Well, this temple seems really unique because a large portion of it is built into a cave. I love temples with caves. Right? It was built to commemorate road workers who were killed during the construction of a tunnel. Uh, And there's about 120 meters long into the cave with a bunch of statues of Canon. So this cave is the tunnel that people died to make? Is that what you're saying? No. They made it in a different cave to symbolize these guys. So like the tunnel is nearby or something? I didn't see exactly where it was, but I'm assuming it's somewhere in the area. Okay. Interesting. But cave temple, I was like, yes. Absolutely. Well, Paul, let's talk about some of these famous festivals that Sapporo is known for, because there are a bunch of them. (laughs) There are so many. We got to start with the the really big one, right? The Sapporo Snow Festival. Yes. This is held for one week each February. And I mean, you can't, you really can't overstate what a massive attraction it is. This might be one of the main draws in Sapporo. Absolutely. Uh, I think I mentioned actually the first one was in 1950. It started just when some high school kids made a few snow sculptures in Odori Park. Like it was kind of a, a small impromptu thing, it sounds like. But these days, there are so many sculptures, and some of them are incredibly intricate. I mean, I saw some totally insane snow sculptures. It was amazing. They're unbelievable. I do think that's interesting. I feel like kids building something in a park could go two ways. It could be like, knock it off. Don't do that here. Or it could be like, well, that's cool. We should all do that. I'm glad they went that way with it. Let's turn that into the main attraction for the city. That sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a good attitude to have. Uh, So this festival actually takes place on three sites. Odori Park is the main site. That's where the snow sculptures are. They also have concerts and other events there. But then in Susukino, remember that's the uh, kind of nightlife district, They have about 100 ice sculptures there. And then there's another site, the Tsudome site, which is more for family activities. They have snow rafting and snow slides and even more snow sculptures. Did you see that some of the concerts at Odori Park are on stages sculpted out of snow and ice? Yes. (laughs) That's so cool. That would be really fun to perform there. Right. I wonder how they do like all the electronics, though, with all the speakers and whatever. With I don't the know. Snow, that seems tough. A guy I work with is in a jazz band, and every year they get hired to go out into the middle of a lake and perform at this festival that a company throws for its employees. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they do have like outdoor speakers. Like they got it, you know, they make things specifically for that kind of setting. So, yeah. I'm sure they make it work. Another big festival is in early summer. It's the Lilac Festival. Paul, do you say Lilac or Lilac? Lilac. Lilac. For sure. Lilac. I don't know. I feel like 
since I was a kid, I just heard lilac. Lilac? I don't know if I've ever heard that. Lilac. I don't know. I don't know, but I say all sorts of things wrong, apparently, so don't well, take my word for I'll it. I'll go with you on this one. Lilac uh, is actually the tree of Sapporo. Did you know that? I did, after doing research for this episode. I love lilacs. They're great. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Don't, don't. You don't even start. Did you hear it just came out of your mouth? I, yes. You said lilacs. But that's how it's said when you pluralize it. Ooh, hold on. Singular, it's lilac. Yes. And then plural, it's lilacs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous, Paul. That's, that's ridiculous. Language is ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> or Paul is ridiculous. Or maybe they're both ridiculous. Maybe we're all ridiculous. Guess where the festival's held, Jason? Well, I bet one of the venues, at least, is Odori Park. Correct. Apparently, they have about 400 lilac trees <laughs> in Odori Park. Lilacs. Uh, there's also a music festival, an outdoor tea ceremony, and a wine garden. Nice. I- I'm not even a huge wine fan, but I would go to a wine garden for sure. I was drinking wine under the lilacs. The lilacs? <laughs> that sounds nice. You spoiled the joke. You said it normally there, I think. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, the other location is Kawashimo Park, which has approximately 1,700 lilac trees. That's even more than Odori Park. <laughs> this guy maths. They have a guided tours, even, of the flowers. Here's a lilac tree. Here's another one. <laughs> yeah, I really wonder how that goes. Are they trees? Yeah, yeah, I saw them described as trees. Okay. I feel like I had a big lilac yeah. bush in my yard when I was a kid. They get so tall, though. At what point does it stop being a bush and start being a tree? I have no idea. That it about lilac? Those flowers? I just wanted to note that the dates can fluctuate a little bit because it's based on when the flowers bloom. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, another famous festival takes place in early June. It's called the Yosakoi Soran Festival. And we've definitely talked about this before somewhere for some reason. Yeah. Maybe in the Matsuri episode? Yeah, I think you're right. And this is another one of those festivals that has multiple events at various places around the city. The festival is based around Yosakoi dancing, which is uh, a style of dancing based on traditional Japanese dance, but it also incorporates modern styles and they got these really bright, colorful costumes that are pretty cool. I also saw these things called Naruko clappers. Yeah. Those look fun. The clappers were originally used to scare birds away from rice fields. Yeah, they're like these little wooden paddles that make kind of clacking noises when you shake them around. Your parents get tired of you back in the day. Go dance in the rice field. Make yourself <laughs> useful. Yeah. That's not a bad punishment. Not at all. Actually sounds kind of cool. I would be naughty all the time. Go send me out in the fields. It's my favorite thing to do. Dance in the fields. Hmm, so what's next? Well, in late September, of course, they have an autumn festival. Some of the oldest festivals in the country were uh, harvest festivals, right? Yeah. This one is also held in Odori Park, believe it or not. <laughs> I believe it. And uh, guess what this festival is about? Food. It's in autumn. It's all about that food. Honestly, I couldn't find a ton about this one other than it's a four-day food festival. Lots of food, food, food. 
all sorts of fresh, delicious, very non-vegan foods. Well, it's it's going to be harvest season, so there's got to be fresh produce too, right? Yeah, you got to harvest all that seafood. Yeah. All the fresh corn and melons, right? Uh, there's probably some of that. Uh, but crab, meat, and regional ramen I saw specifically mentioned, and I'm pretty sure none of those are going to be vegan. True. There are also bars. You there, can indulge there we go. in uh, wine, sake, and beer along with your meaty feast. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Wine, sake, and beer on an empty stomach. Let's go. I have one more festival to talk about. Okay. Maybe not even technically a festival. I don't know. It depends how you define festival, but it doesn't have festival in the name. It's an event. It doesn't for have sure. Matsuri in the name. True. True. It's the Christmas market. Gotta have a Christmas market with all that snow, right? It's the perfect place for it. They hold this market from the end of November through December. Guess where? Odori Park! No. It's actually just in this warehouse on the edge of the city. It's kind of weird. Just kidding. It's in Odori Park. You were right, Paul. You almost had me going there. Although they do have some other satellite venues. They actually have part of it in Sapporo Factory, that big mall. Okay. Sounds nice. Yeah. Especially if it's really cold out. Yeah. You can take your pick depending on uh, if you want to be outside or if it's even possible to get around outside with all the snow. Did you know that Sapporo is a sister city to Munich, Germany? I did know that. And that's where this festival originated. Yeah. It's a German-themed Christmas market. So they're selling hot wine and German food. That's pretty cool. Candied almonds, I saw. Yum. Quite popular. I'm not normally a mulled wine guy, but a hot mulled wine on a cold oh, night does sound kind of nice. You got to get mulled wine at a Christmas market. I yeah. had some at a Christmas market in Paris that I went to. Okay. That was a great time. That sounds nice. Europe really knows how to do those Christmas markets. You know, I've frankly been pretty disappointed by the Christmas markets around here. Even though we got, you know, all the European history around There's here. There's not and really a good one around here, is there? Not That's, that I can think of. No, I... I don't know. I've been to like a few of them in recent years, and I was always kind of disappointed. I feel like it's catching on maybe, though. That we'll, we'll, 10 years from now, maybe we'll have a good one. Jason shrugs, because <laughs> everything's getting worse. I keep yeah. saying that. Jason nothing, has no hope for the future. Nothing gets better anymore. This also ties in a little bit with Sapporo White Illumination. Is that what they call it, White Illumination? Yeah. Where much of Adori Park and some of the surrounding areas get generous amounts of twinkling white lights to decorate them during the holiday Christmas season. Winter illuminations are a big thing all over Japan yeah. around Christmas season, and they're great. I love it. I love all the lights. What was the award, Sapporo won? Most attractive city? Yep. Well, maybe this is part of it. When it's covered in snow, when it's got the Christmas market and the lights, and then the spring it's got the lilacs. Very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. So, Jason, we've been talking about uh, Hokkaido trip for a while, and Sapporo is going to be a part of that. Sure. After going through the events here, I'm even more confused about what time of year I want to go here, because every single one of these events seems amazing. Springtime, yeah. summer, winter, snow festival, snowboarding, it's all great, right? I think Hokkaido needs two trips. Yeah, I think you might we be need right. a summer trip and a winter trip. There's no way around that. Yeah, you got to do a dead of winter trip here. Definitely. So which one first is the question, I guess. 
that we will have to answer at some point. Yeah. I don't know. That super, super long snowboarding trail is really tempting. I know, right? But also all those flowers. Yeah. That does sound nice. And like getting up into the middle of Hokkaido in, in the summer. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. And the hiking. Can't do that much hiking in winter. You get a little bit if you dress for it. Snowboarding's like hiking, but maybe better. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. We got some time, I think, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul, I forgot to put this on our outline, but, uh, you know, usually on these city-specific episodes, we talk about how to get to and around the city. So I, I got some quick notes on that I'd like to fly through, if you don't mind. Sure. So to get to Sapporo... If you want to get there just as fast as possible, like you just want to land in Tokyo and be like, okay, I, I just want to get to Sapporo. You'll probably want to fly there. Oh, yeah. You can fly into New Chitose Airport, which is about a 50-minute train ride outside Sapporo. That's going to be pretty quick. If you have time, if you don't mind a more leisurely pace, you could take a bullet train instead. That can bring you up to Hakodate, and then you have to switch to a limited express train to get from there to Sapporo. So that takes uh, quite a bit longer. I mean, that that whole trip from Tokyo to Sapporo could take a little over eight hours. Yeah. I also want to mention the JR Pass. You've probably heard about it if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. This is that rail pass that gives you access to all JR trains in the country. But due to that recent price increase, uh, if you're not traveling like a super long distance by train, it might not make sense. So, you know... I don't know. Sapporo is pretty far from Tokyo. If you wanted to do like a huge loop and go even further south of Tokyo, maybe it makes sense to get the JR pass. But go to go to Tokyo to Sapporo to Hiroshima back to Tokyo in a week. Who knows? Maybe you want to just stay along the coast and like see both sides of Honshu or something. I don't know. I won't judge if you want to travel that aggressively. I've done it. You know, I, I have a feeling about maybe what you're getting at here. I bet you do. Because there are some other options if the yeah. JR pass itself might not work for your itinerary. Yeah. Regional passes? Yeah, I got a couple of them, actually, that are okay. perfect for a Sapporo itinerary if you want to kind of branch out a little bit more. So if you want to do Sapporo and have the option of exploring the rest of Hokkaido, like the entire island, there's something called the Hokkaido Rail Pass. And you can, you can look at the map, and it's just all over Hokkaido. You can get anywhere. So maybe like fly to Sapporo, explore all of Hokkaido. That's one option. There's another one called the JR East-South Hokkaido Rail Pass. That gives you access to the southern tip of Hokkaido, which is where Sapporo is, as well as pretty much everything on Honshu north of Tokyo. So if you just wanted to do like a loop from Tokyo to Sapporo and maybe see a bunch of stuff in between, that would be perfect. Sendai, Aomori, That'd that'd be great. Yeah. So if you want to get any of these train passes, if you want the JR Pass or the Hokkaido Rail Pass or the JR East-South Hokkaido Rail Pass or even any other regional pass, they have different ones for different parts of the country, you can find a link to those on the Travel Tools section of our website. And if you use our link to buy your pass, it really helps us out and it's at no additional cost to you. That's like the cheapest you can get those, but it also helps us out. So once you're in Sapporo, to get around inside the city, they have a pretty nice bus system that you can use IC cards on that makes it really simple to get around. You don't need to worry about calculating fares and stuff. Love that. 
There's also a subway system and some JR lines that pass through the city. So like trains can help you get around. Uh, they also have a streetcar. We mentioned that earlier, tram slash streetcar, yeah. however you want to call it. That runs in a loop around the city. That can be really handy. That's how we got out to Mount Moiwa for that great hike. That's cool that that's still running. Yeah. And it, it just kind of looks cool seeing it like go around the city, you know, like above ground little trams are yeah. kind of fun. Taxis are also available if you want to make things really easy, but they can be expensive. You know, maybe that's not a big deal for you. Maybe you just don't want to carry your luggage around. Just throw it in a trunk and there you go. Another option, you can rent bikes in the city. Maybe not the best option in the winter months <laughs> yeah. when it's real snowy, but at certain times of year, that could be pretty cool. So there you go. That's Sapporo. What do you think, Paul? How are you going to sum it up? What's Sapporo about? Oh, man. Sum up a whole episode? Yep. Uh, you, get, you get five words. <laughs> five words? Yeah. Think hard. Beautiful city in the north. There you go. There, Beautiful okay, city in the right north. Right out already. Okay. That, well, that works. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking snow would have to be one of the words, but well, you locked it in. Final answer. All right. North connotates possibility of snow. North connotates. That, that, that's, that's not five words. Okay. explaining the five okay, words. North. Which group of five words is it, Paul? The first one. I'm saying by using north in that, I'm insinuating that there may be snow. Sure. I'll take it, I guess. Uh, anyway, hope you enjoyed learning all about the beautiful city of Sapporo. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please consider leaving a review on whatever podcasting platform you use to hear us. And if you'd like to see some pictures and videos of Sapporo, I will be posting Sapporo-related stuff on our Instagram, where our username is at SJPPodcast. Nice. Paul, what are we talking about next time? Our next episode will be on mental health in Japan. What issues are they struggling with? How do they handle it? What are their attitudes towards mental health? Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, and you might have heard a lot about mental health in Japan just in, in the media. Like, it's kind of weird how, like, I don't know about the mental health situation in most countries in the world, but for some reason in Western media, they like to focus on Japan and like, oh, Japan's got a high suicide rate, or oh, people aren't having kids anymore, or you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Like one article or study will come out and like all the Western media will just be like, Japan is this, and it's not always accurate at all. Yeah. So that kind of made me, I don't know, I wanted to be careful with this episode. You know, I want, we don't want to be sensationalist. We want to just get the facts across and try to give as objective a view as possible. Yeah. And it's a hugely broad topic. We're going to touch on some interesting things that we found. and Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the other thing. Do is, our best to shed some light. It's hard to sum up a whole country's mental health, <laughs> you know, in, in an hour or something. I'm still but. trying to figure out my mental health, Jason. <laughs> Well, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.